Well, good morning. Welcome to Tri-Cities Church. You may be seated. It's that time of the year where we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. In fact, we celebrate it all year, but we kind of focus in on it, even though it doesn't feel like it outside, right? It's, it is um, Christmas time, and we're reminded that Jesus has come um, and that he walked among us, and that's a glorious thing. Hey, let's, let's share in a moment of prayer. God, we give you thanks um, this morning that you give us this time to, um, to share in the worship of you, to be reminded of the birth of Jesus Christ and all the events that surrounded that. God, that you were doing something here on earth among us. And so, God, we do focus in on that, and we love to sing songs celebrating the fact that joy has come to the world, that hope has come to the world, that your peace has been made known in this world. And so, God, I just pray that this morning that that will become even more clear to us, um, that Jesus is real, that he really was born, that he really lived, that he really died, and that he really lives again, and that we might have new life through Jesus Christ. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, well, good morning. It's a good morning to be at Tri-Cities Church. If this is your first time here, I'm Wesley. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're glad that you have uh, chosen to join us in worship. Hey, I just want to give you guys an, an update. If you're new with us, um, um, you might not know this, but that we're in the process of uh, purchasing uh, this building. And so I just kind of want to give you an update. Part of our thing was always wanting to be um, kind of I guess open, transparent, and to fill everybody in in terms of where we are in the process. As you know, um, lots of people have supported us financially from the outside, um, who don't, who many of whom will never, have never, and will never come to Tri Cities Church. Probably don't live anywhere near here. Um, and then um, uh, several weeks ago, I guess it's been like a month ago now, uh, we took up an offering here, and, and you all gave generously to that. Um, uh, over $46,000 that we took up on that Sunday. And so we're at about $95,000 that we have uh, taken up towards our goal of 150. Now, some people have asked, like, 150, um, uh, what, what happens if we don't reach that goal, right? Um, that goal isn't what we must have uh, in, in order to close on the property. It's what, uh, but it is what we need in order uh, to be able to uh, kind of ongoing, in an ongoing way, afford um, building maintenance and those kind of things. And so, um, so, so here, here's where we are. So a, as a church, we are working through our permit process with the city. We expect that to be wrapping up probably this month. It's supposed to wrap up on the 21st of this month, um, but the city council has to vote on that, and they have to have a quorum, and it's the week of Christmas. So, um, uh, so we, we don't know whether um, a quorum will show up to vote. So if not, it will, they'll vote on it in January. Um, our closing date, because of that, is pushed back into February. So we're looking to close on this, this building uh, in the end of, of February is when we're hoping uh, to close. We're already good to close. We only need to put 10% uh, down, and we're able uh, to do that. So we're headed in, in that direction. Uh, from the beginning of Tri-Cities Church, um, God has brought together uh, just numerous people. To, uh, and it's just an amazing thing. For me, it's been an incredible um, incredible journey. And if you've been with us from the beginning or wherever you joined this journey, it's just been incredible to see people supporting um, Jesus changing the lives of people, um, people uh, uh, calling him to be Lord and Savior, and then those people supporting the work that God does and is doing through his church. 
Um, the thing I've been saying um, is that generosity isn't hindered by geography, right? That people from a long way away are um, celebrating Jesus through their generosity um, by giving to Tri-Cities Church. Um, that generosity, we are still recipients of that. Uh, there are people who are still supporting us that will never, have never, will never visit Tri-Cities Church, and, and we celebrate that. At the same time, as a church, we... Um, um, it, ta- it usually takes, let me say this, it usually takes church plants, and a lot of times, you know, you maybe say, Tri-Cities Church, sometimes we forget that Tri-Cities Church is a new church, right? We used to call it a baby church. Uh, sometimes it's easy to, f- to forget that. Uh, we've been around for three years almost now. Next month we'll celebrate uh, three years as a church, um, and, and, and we'll celebrate God's faithfulness and what he's done through this church, in this church, and with us in our community um, and and uh, so we've been around almost three years. Usually it takes three to five years for churches to become self-supporting. Um, as shown by our uh, Better Together offering, uh, there are still people that are supporting Tri-Cities Church. Um, and we've, we've seen our church grow in incredible ways financially as we get, um, as, as God has done incredible things here and opened up doors for us to buy this building. Um, so I say that to say, um, Tri-Cities Church has this vision um, and, and it's not just to be recipients of the generosity of others, um, but our vision is to be able to turn that around and be generous towards others, right? Not just individuals, but other churches. And so our vision includes us one day as a church saying, we believe so strongly in the power of Jesus Christ who was born, who lived and died that we want to, as a church, right? We want to send people to a new church that's starting as other churches did for us when we were starting and say, we want to send money and resources as as other churches did for us. There's things that we have, like every time I go downstairs and, and make a copy, like we have a copier, right? That we we didn't pay for, right? That a church gave us, right? Um, there were churches that, that gave us things that we needed to get started and sent people and resources and money. Um, we even have a church that started about the same time as we did um, that I just learned today uh, is supporting us financially and buying this building. So another church is just three years old. They're supporting us financially and buying this building. That's the kind of church we want to be. Um, and so I say that, say, as we enter into the new year, and I felt like we need to kind of have this kind of framing what we're doing and where we are in the life of Tri-Cities Church, have that conversation here as we enter the end of the year. Um, I, I say that to say, um, and we're going to begin the year talking about prayer, but I say that to say, be praying, um, be thinking, be working on ways that you can uh, continue to or begin to um, support what's happening here through your generosity so that we can turn that around as a church and bless others. And that by what God is doing here, right, his glory will be known in other places and that the generosity here won't be hindered by geography, but that other people will come to know the goodness of the Lord by what Tri-Cities Church is able to support. Um, and so we, yes, as we, as we purchase this building, there are a lot of responsibilities that we will take on that we didn't previously have as renters. Um, but God has shown his faithfulness. And I believe, I believe uh, um, we would not have raised as much as we had if it was not for the generosity of Tri-Cities Church. And I believe that, that we're able to, to step up and to take care of uh, what God has opened for us in this open door that God has blessed us with. All right, well, this morning we're continuing our socks and underwear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what we're coming for. 
Um, we're, we're continuing. It, it, is, it, is, it is, especially if you've been here. I was sitting there talking to somebody just the other week, and they were just, it's been with Tri-Cities Church from the beginning, um, and just saying, hey, I, I just remember when Tri-Cities Church was an idea, right? When it was in Jamie's living room, and it was just this idea. And, and, and to see that kind of come into being and existence um, has, been, has been a wonderful thing. And to see this in a, a choir, right? Uh, to see that. Uh, happening here at Tri-Cities Church and, and purchasing a building, things we never dreamed um, that God would open these doors for us. Um, we, nev- we never, we never, ju- we just didn't, we didn't know what God was doing. We just knew God wanted a community of people that were faithful to him here. Um, and so we followed, we followed him just as uh, the wise men followed a star, right? Um, maybe that's a good tie-in. Maybe not. Maybe throw that one away. All right, continue our socks and underwear series. Um, um, uh, this this morning, this is week three in in, in that series, and I'm I'm excited about it um, because it's been beneficial for me as we study the birth of Jesus uh, through the lens of John uh, chapter one. Uh, let's let's pray, and then we'll get into the message for this morning. God, we give you thanks this morning that you give us this opportunity to open the scriptures and to study them. God, we thank you more than anything that Jesus was born. Yeah, and we can celebrate that now. But God, we don't just celebrate a baby that was born, but we celebrate a child that was raised up in this world that turned his face to you as father, that said things around the age of 12 like, I got to be about my father's business and turned his life in that direction and did marvelous things here. God, I pray that we will be that church that will say, I have to be about my father's business, that we'll turn our faces to you, that we'll be led by you, and that the world will come to know that God is among us and has done great things here. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So that's the Christmas story, as you should know, right? Um, just a funny, funny Christmas movie. But it reminds us as we talk about um, socks and underwear, the gift of God um, uh, uh, that, that, that people just weren't asking for, but everyone needed, right? It's not like that gift, right? It's not the gift that we want to reject. Um, but what we saw last week was that, um, that God um, um, 
through Jesus, was giving the gift of eternal life to the whole world. And there were some that looked at that and said, no, not me, right? I don't want that. I won't take that. Um, because um, their, their perceived needs, right, um, um, uh, caused them to miss God when it mattered most, to miss what God was doing in this world uh, when it mattered most. And so they were uh, living in this world where they had um, were just like we do, have needs for food and clothing and shelter, but also desires uh, for freedom and autonomy and individuality and those kinds of things. And they felt like uh, living in this ancient first century world, um, that some of those things were, were being taken from them. In fact, you know, I kept thinking all this week um, about how um, our life is the most precious thing we have, right? It's our most valuable thing uh, that, that we have. And that as a result of that, one of the things that we do is that we uh, live our lives so that we can add value to our lives, right? So that we can add to the quality of our lives. And so the majority of our time is spent, right, as, as human beings, is spent trying to add value or quality to our lives. And so we work so that we can, um, so that we can pay bills and so that we can buy food and so that we can have the things that we think of as necessary that add to the quality of our life. Because if we're not paying our bills and if we're not having food and we're not having shelter, um, we don't think of our lives, at least the quality, as, as being very, very good. And so we spend our time, most of our time, uh, working or building relationships or doing these things um, that add to the, the quality of, of our lives. Um, and so that's what people were doing in the first century, right? They were trying to build up this, this quality or value, adding value to their lives. Um, and they were so focused on that and their strategies to do that that they missed God when it mattered most, right? When God came among them, right, through Jesus Christ and said, I'm, I'm doing something here, right? I'm offering you the gift of eternal life. I keep going back to that story um, of the woman at the well uh, that's, that's told. And in, in, it's in John, I'm not sure what chapter, maybe John chapter 7-ish. Don't, don't call me on that, or five. Uh, the story of the woman at, at the, what, th- four, Kim says four. I'm, I'm jumping all around it. Chapter four, um, and, and Jesus says to her some, something like this, and don't quote me on this either. He said, if you only knew, right, if you, if you only knew who was standing before you and the gift that I have to offer to you, right? He says this to this one. You can read the story if you want to get the whole context. Um, but I feel like Jesus was saying in the first century to all the world, right, if you only knew um, the life that I have to offer, right, you would stop trying to pursue after um, you stop trying to pursue after these things like um, like clothes, like house, like shelter, like jobs, as though those things are the hope of the world, right? Um, yes, you need those things. Yes, you work for those things. Yes, you do gain those things. But that's not where your hope is placed, right? Jesus says um, um, that, that uh, he says that there's that popular scripture where he says, I look after the sparrows, right? They're hungry. I feed them. I take care of them. Um, and so he tells us not to worry about the things of this world, how we're going to clothe ourselves and what we're going to do to add to our lives, but to trust him and put him first as the hope of our life. Um, and so he's saying that to them. And the word that hit me actually just this morning, I don't typically do this because I don't like going off script. Um, but the word that hit me this morning is what, what we're doing when we're pursuing these, uh, these solutions, um, when we're pursuing these, uh, these things that add value to our life, ultimately what we're doing I think last week I said that um, when, we, when God, uh, when we make our God as one who who does certain things in our world that aren't biblical, right? 
that, that blesses us with, with uh, things that ultimately aren't, aren't blessings, that God, he can soothe us, but he can't save us, right? Um, so so we, can, we can make these imaginary gods in our head all we want. That God will soothe us as a temporary solution, but ultimately that God won't save us. And so when we put our hope in things of this world, um, something happens, right? We, 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 one, we miss God when it matters most, right? But we end up pursuing things that ultimately soothe us but are temporary and don't save us, right? You get this job and I put my hope in that and I allow that to pull my attention away from Christ, right? That relationship or that job will make me feel good, right? Uh, it'll allow me to provide for some of the things in my life that I, that I see that I need or feel like I need It'll soothe me. It makes me feel good, um, but it won't save me, right? Or if I put my hope in relationships and I find that a relationship, it may feel good, right? It, and it may be pulling me away from Christ, but ultimately this relationship feels good. It soothes me, but it doesn't save me. It's like a Band-Aid, right? It's a Band-Aid solution to some of these issues. And Jesus came and he doesn't want to be the bandage on our wounds. He wants to heal the wounds. And so um, we see that um, that Jesus came and there were some that were looking so strongly, so focused on these kind of band-aid soothing solutions that they missed God's grace among them and his ability to heal and bring hope and actual relief. Look at, look at John chapter 1 again. Uh, John chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading again at verse 1, and we'll read probably up to verse 12. Listen to what it says. It says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. All right, and that's where we stopped last week, that there were those that Jesus came to offering the gift of eternal life, and they said, no, no, not me. That's not what I was looking for. That's not the solution I was looking for. That's not the soothing I was looking for right now. I, I, want, I want our nation to, to be great again, is what they were saying, right? I, I want um, this individuality. We, we want a king. We, we once had a series we talk, called Give Me a King, right? We want a king, right? We want to be a strong people, a strong nation. We want to have luxuries and riches and wealth and to be prospering. Um, those things soothe me, um, but they missed what God was doing to save them. Look at verse 12, because there were some that did receive it. Listen to the very next, next verses. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Born of God. You see, the scriptures are teaching us that God opens his family to all who did see what God was doing among them through Jesus Christ and welcome them. God 
opens the doors to his family that we might be children of God. Now, that's a concept that um, that is often kind of foreign to us, difficult to understand. So we read it, we hear it, but never quite grasp it. And this morning, I really want us to wrestle with what that means for us to now be children of God. Because what God has done is that he's chosen to open his family to us and to adopt us and to make us his very own. Right? And there's this concept that runs all throughout the New Testament and what God is doing through Jesus Christ, and that's the concept of adoption, that God has chosen uh, to, to adopt us and make us his own. It's the heart of the gospel. It's the, the central theme in the New Testament, and that's that God has chosen to bring us into his family. Now, Jesus uses this phrase, and, and if you've been around the church, and it, maybe even if you haven't been around church a long time, uh, you've probably heard it, born again, right? Jesus used this phrase talking about you must be born again, and we talk about um, being born again in Jesus Christ. And, and, I, and I love that, that concept, right, because it, it, it's, um, it's kind of odd to us, right, because you can't be born again. And when Jesus was actually teaching it in John chapter 3, um, to Nicodemus, Nicodemus was like, hold on. He's, I, I mean, he's like, hold on, brother. What are you talking about? Be born again. I'm full grown, right? And there's no way I'm being born again. But listen to how Jesus talks about this and our ad- adoption into his God's family by being born again. In John chapter three, I'm going to begin reading in verse one. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, We know that you're a teacher who has come from God, right? So Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and and he's a leader, a Jewish leader, right? And he says, we know you're a teacher who comes from God, for no one could perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. So it's like, it's obvious that God is with you and that God is doing something in you and through you. So he's kind of curious, um, but doesn't want to put his reputation at stake, so he appears to Jesus at night. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. It's the first time Jesus uses that phrase, right? No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And then he says, how can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my sayings. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone that's born of the spirit. You see, the scripture is a powerful imagery because with birth, right, everyone who is born is born into a a story, if you will, right? There's a background, there's a history that existed long before you were born on this earth. Um, but the problem there is, uh, and humans recognize that really from almost the beginning of time, right? Um, they recognize that there's a problem with the stories that we're born into, right? And that's that every human story ends the same way, right? That it's a story of, of life, but ultimately it's a broken story because it ends in death, right? And so every human being is born into this, this broken story where, um, where, where we, at some point in our lives, will inevitably experience something or go through something, and the response would be, that can't be God's will for me, or that can't be God's will for this world right here, right now. 
right? And so, I mean, you just, you just look at different, different situations, whether it's illness and disease, something like cancer, right? We look at the prevalence of cancer in our world, and we go, this can't be God's will for our world, right? Where is God in the midst of an increase, uh, increasing of, of cancer, right? Where, where, what is God doing? Where is God, you know, how is he present here, right? That can't be God's will um, for us in this world. And I, and I almost feel like the scriptures are saying, um, you're right. That's not God's will for this world. It can't be God's will for this world. And it's not. We look at the different tensions that our, our nation is facing right now, whether it's political tension. And some of us are dreading 2016 as an election year comes up because it's one of those things that divides us, right? We believe, uh, some believe one thing and others believe another. We have different parties and different beliefs. Um, there seems to be no middle ground, no reconciliation. It's polarizing. You feel like you can't talk about it with some people, can't talk about it with, with others, right? Um, in fact, um, 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 uh, politics is one of the most polarizing things in our world. And it brings out nasty um, people to say nasty things and uh, do nasty things. And, and it, it's just one of those difficult, tense times. And it makes us say, this can't be God's will for us as a people, as a nation, right? For us to be so polarized and so uh, in disagreement with one another and separated. And the scriptures are saying, you're, you're absolutely right. It can't be God's will for us in this world. Or you think about um, just race relations right now um, and the fact that there's racial tension that's happening as our experiences as Americans of different races, it, it, we go through and we have different experiences in this world. And it brings about certain tension and misunderstanding and um, separation and animosity and, and uh, um, uh dissension and hatred and uh, frustration and and just confusion and chaos and not knowing how to work through these kind of uh, issues. And we look at that kind of tension and th- that's happening here among us in our nation and we go, that, that can't be God's will for us here, right? Or we even look at religion, one of those major tension points right now and as we see um, this minority though uh, of religious extremists, uh, whether they be uh, Muslim, whether they be Christian or any other religion, there are extremists, right? Um, doing foolish, crazy things that makes our makes a major impact in our world, um, and it causes lives to be lost and people to hurt. And we're looking and we're going, that can't be God's will for us in in this world. Where is God? How is God here? And what? what Jesus was coming to show us, right, that everyone who's born in this world is born into a broken story, right? We all have a broken narrative. It's broken because, yeah, the way that it goes is not God's will in this world, right? This death and disease is not God's will in this world. It's not part of the original story written by God, right? Um, This racial tension and division and political tension and polarization that's happening, um, this um, religious extremism that causes um, not just the vision, but ultimately leads to death, right? That's not God's will for us in this world. That's that story that's broken. And Jesus wants us to see that, that we were all born into this broken story, this broken narrative. And Jesus came to invite us, to welcome us into a different story, into a different narrative and the only way we enter into that story right that story of hope 
that story of redemption, that story of unity, that story of peace. The only way we enter into that story is through adoption into the family of God, right? That God is calling us into a new family. And so, yeah, he says, you must be born again because I'm doing something different in this family. Uh, as some of you, some of you know, um, my wife and I, we've been, um, we've been considering becoming foster parents and, and maybe even moving towards adoption. We said we want to be open to, to whatever God's will is uh, for us in our lives at this season. And so we, we kind of opened our, our lives, our home, our family to, to being foster parents and, and even to adopt if we feel that God is so leading us in that direction. And so we've been doing a lot of um, just kind of going through those stages, that, that, that process, um, a lot of paperwork and all those kind of things. Um, and, and, you know, we, we have to do, you have to do like these home studies where they come out of your home and you got to make sure um, that, that your home is safe for, for a child and, and all these different things. Things that, you know, I'm talking to parents and they're like, we didn't do any of that stuff, right? We don't have plug covers over our outlets, right? Uh, our cabinets aren't child proof, right? Um, <clears throat> parents, get it together, get it together. <laughs> My house is probably safer for your kids right now than your house is for your own kids. Um, but but we've, been, we've been considering, and part of it was going through, we had this 24-hour training that we had to go and do. And it's just talking about um, working with the, with the foster, it's called impact training, and it's working with the foster care um, system. And one of the things they said that struck me so strongly um, and um, they said that there are times when the situation that a child is in is so severe that a judge will order the termination of parental rights, right? Um, so that that child's parents are no longer the legal parents of that child. And now that child can be adopted into a new family. And the thing that struck me as being um, so strong in, in language and degree of what happens is that when that child is adopted, they said that there's a new birth certificate that's issued. And that that child is actually becoming a part of a new family. And as we've entered this process and we've talked about it and prayed through it, it's given the gospel such a whole new light because the reality is we're born into this broken story, right? This story that we spend our time before Christ trying to piece together to make it all right, to soothe us, to gain these things of this world that ultimately make us feel good. But then Jesus comes along and he's like, you can soothe yourself all day, but that stuff isn't going to save you, right? I'm the only one who can save and he's saying say yes to me say yes to me and you'll learn say yes to me say yes to me and you will know that that is true but in the first century there were people that were so focused on these solutions they missed god when it mattered most and god is begging us hey don't miss god when it matters most god has chosen to adopt you into his family to make you his own to call you, as Paul will say later in the scriptures as he fills out this ideal of adoption, he's chosen to make you his sons, right? Uh, and, and I, I, I kind of wrestled with that language. So I, I, when I was in seminary, um, yeah, when I was in seminary, um, uh, uh, one of the things, students from all different kinds of backgrounds were in seminary. And I grew up, actually grew up in a Baptist church, fairly uh, conservative Baptist church, and then was a part of um, um, the independent Christian uh, church and, and restoration movement, uh, which is what, 
what, if, if you don't know, our, our church kind of comes out of this movement of churches. Um, it's simply known as um, Christian church or independent Christian churches, um, and um, which is a fairly conservative tradition. But in seminary, there are people from all different kinds of backgrounds. Um, and so there were some in, in, in backgrounds and with histories and stories that uh, wanted to uh, reject uh, certain language in the scriptures um, that was what they would call male-dominant uh, language. So like God being father or like things in the scripture where it says that we're sons of God and this kind of patriarchal language, which, which ultimately um, focuses on the men uh, within a culture and, and gives no voice to or legitimacy to women who are within a culture. And that's just the time that Jesus was born in, right? Um, um, Jesus wasn't given his, uh, his stamp of approval in saying um, that men should have power over and be dominant over and that women should be overlooked in their society. But that's just the world that Jesus was born into. So a lot of the language that's used in the Bible, it, it talks about uh, men, right? Um, when we know that it's talking about men and women, right? And, or it talks about sons. When we know it's talking about sons and daughters. Um, but one of the unique things, and I think things that we, um, we kind of need to preserve the languages and like scriptures like Romans chapter 8. Uh, where Paul talks about us being adopted as God's sons. Listen to what he, what he says, um, because he's kind of flushing out this language of adoption. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, listen to what, what he says. He says, for, um, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself, uh, yeah, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may be, that we may also share in his glory. Now, one of these places where that language may seem kind of, uh, kind of patriarchal, male-dominant, or whatever phrase you want to use, is when he talks about um, this spirit of adoption that, that by which we become sons of God, this sonship. And you're going, well, weren't there women in that church, right? Was it, was it church gender exclusive? Was it all men? And, and of course it's not, and that was just the time maybe that the Bible was written in. But in this case, I would say that it's important that Paul uses this word sons here. And I think that's language even, because if you're reading some Bibles, like NRSV, different versions of the Bible, they say, well, of course God was talking to men and women, and they've changed the language, and they've said God has either made us children or sons and daughters and those kinds of things. Um, but in the original language, it calls us sons. And that language is important because in biblical times, and nothing against women, in biblical times, it was just better to be a son than to be a daughter, right? Because the inheritance of the father was passed down through the sons, right? So if you were a daughter and you were adopted into a family when your father passed, you were out of luck, right? There was nothing coming to you unless your brother chose to share it with you. Um, and that was just the way that it was. But if you were a son of your father, right, this is the way it was in their culture, in their society, the inheritance of the father all that he had all that he had collected all that he gained through his hard work was passed down to you and you were blessed by your father uh, and the inheritance that he saved up and left uh, for you now in our society today we're, we're um we're a little bit less focused on, than biblical society on 
in, on inheritance, right? Um, uh, people will leave us now and leave us broke and, and with, without a single thing. Uh, but in biblical times, they would leave you land and houses and wealth. And, and this idea of, the, of an inheritance was biblical and necessary and, and essential, right? Um, and so, so when they heard this scripture, if, if, if Paul would have said he's chosen to adopt you as sons and daughters, some would have been like, I hope I'm not a daughter, <laughs> which, which is which, right? It doesn't matter what gender you are, which is which. I don't want to be a daughter because I'm not getting a thing, right? But you, he's chosen to adopt you as sons, meaning all that God has is yours. And, and here's the powerful thing about that. Look at, at verse 17 because I almost missed that when I read it. Two, in verse 17, he says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So all that God has saved up for Jesus Christ himself, right? Um, all the scriptures that talk about the blessing and the wonder of where what Christ has gained through the death and resurrection, right? Um, that he's now on the right hand of God, right? That he's in glory, that he's experiencing perfection, that he has um, one-on-one with God, that he's in the presence of, of the Lord forever, right? Um, that all that Jesus gained, um, the scriptures are saying, that shall be yours as well. That belongs to all who are adopted into God's family. That is your inheritance. You see, this theme of adoption runs all throughout the scriptures. And it's a glorious thing. Because we can look at this world and we can say, I want that, I want that, I want that, that will soothe me. But ultimately, it doesn't save Ultimately, it decays, becomes outdated and worthless. And we look back and we say, I spent on, I spent time pursuing this when I should have been putting my energy, my effort into pursuing Christ because he was all I needed because he's my father and a good one. You see, there's three things that I think we can take from this scripture that we can learn about adoption. And the first is that God is our real father, that God is our real father. Now, I have nothing against your father. I don't know him. I've never met him. He may have been good. He may have been bad. Um, uh, you know, the way statistics are going, I hate it that it is a 50-50 chance that he was good or bad. I, I don't know. But no matter how good, and it, it, it's, yeah, um, no matter how good your father was to you, though, um, no matter how bad your father was, right? God is not like your father, right? And we can't we can't read that into the scriptures, and we can't do as some have wanted to do, um, and want to erase maleness and men and and fatherhood and all that stuff from the scriptures. God doesn't want to erase that stuff. Rather, He wants to redeem it by inviting us into this new family through Jesus Christ, and where we learn what it looks like. Um, to be a father. And, and not so much where we look looks like to be a father by looking at the men in our lives, but by, by allowing the men in our lives to point us to our real father in heaven. The one who is, and, and I, um, I have a good relationship with my dad. I, I admire him. He, he's always been a, a provider uh, for our family, uh, We've known that he would be there for us if we, if we needed him. 
and um, that, that he would give his, his life for me if, if, if the opportunity presented itself. Um, but all his efforts, right, ultimately, um, they, they can end in failure, right? Um, he can try his hardest to protect me. But in so many ways, he's inadequate, right? And that's nothing against him. That's just reality, right? That's every guy, right? He could do everything within his power to provide for me. But there's some ways that that he's inadequate. And he can try everything he can think of to prove his love for me. But, But there's some ways that just by being human, he's he's inadequate. But what he can do is to do his best so that um, as a result, his role in this world isn't um, to be my perfect father, right? But to point me to the one who is perfect, to point me to the one who can show me real love, to point me to the one who can provide, to point me to the one who's good enough for all of my needs. And so the church, yeah, we can't erase maleness and, and men from the scriptures. Rather, the church has to be doing all that it can to support men, to encourage them to grow up into the men that God has called them to be. Because it's as men do their role, more and more people are coming to know the love of Jesus Christ through their earthly fathers. They're coming to know their heavenly father, right? And we have to turn to him and say, God, I know you're not like my, my father because you're good you're perfect you're enough for every one of my needs you see the scriptures are teaching us the birth of jesus teaches us that god has chosen to adopt us into his family that means he's our father that means we do everything on earth here not to prove to our children that we're their fathers and that we're good enough but prove to them that there's a one above us that is good enough that has this whole thing in control provides us real hope and joy and peace second thing i think we have to see uh, from this scripture is that the church is our real family right that the church is our real family if god is our real father the church is our real family and so you look around this room right and those who believe in jesus christ those are your brothers and sisters within the church there's this different kind of allegiance right um that happens unlike it should happen unlike any other community of this world right you might be a part of social clubs book clubs uh, different kinds of groups, meetup groups, all kinds of different things in this world, friend groups. You might be on a bowling team, baseball team, soccer team, all these kinds of things. That's community, and it's good, right? Your allegiances there are different from your allegiances within the church, right? Because this is your family. God has called us to be family. He's adopted us into his family. And as a result of that, um, these are our brothers and sisters when we look around this room. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew. Here's this, this verse, and, and it almost seems like Jesus is being a little... Um, um, kind of rude, but, but listen to what he says because he's teaching us this important lesson that, that those who believe in and follow Jesus Christ are your new family. In Matthew chapter 12, verse, I'm going to begin reading in verse 46. It says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood 
outside. So he's in, he's in this house. He's talking to this crowd. His mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother? <laughs> and who is, who are, sorry, who is, who is my brothers? Who, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers, right? For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother, right? Whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, that's my brother and sister and mother, right? Notice he didn't say father because he knows who his father is. But whoever does the will of my father, right? That is my brother and sister and mother, right? That we are real family, that means that we have to take the relationships that happen here a lot more seriously. Right? That we got to care for one another. That we have to look after each other. That we have to have allegiances here. They're thicker than blood. Because the blood of Jesus unites us. And we know that together God is doing something in us and through us. So the third thing I want you to see is not just that this is your real family, but that together we are really being transformed, right? Together we are really being transformed. Don't believe on the lie that's becoming so common in our society that you can be church without being a part of the church, right? That you can sit at home. I, I had a, um, a guy that was kind of like a mentor to me um, when I was growing up. It was, it was a good guy, right? I worked a um, had a stable job and um, always worked his job, turned, turned, um, uh, went to work on time, was consistent, did his job. Just a, a very uh, kind of stand-up role model kind of guy. Um, but all my life, I was always perplexed by the one thing that he didn't do that I was taught that you should do, and that was that he didn't go to church. He, he would always say, if someone asked him what church he went to, he said, I, I go to Bedside Baptist. <laughs> um, because he could just roll over in the bed and flip the TV on, right? And that was whatever church was on TV on Sunday morning. That was his church, right? Um, yeah. And that has become a lie that's being told in our society. And that's that it's okay to be a part of a family that you have nothing to do with, right? That you can watch your family on TV and that that's good enough and sufficient enough for the transformation that God wants to bring about in your life. And it's not, right? You can say, well, uh, well I'm learning some stuff. Like, well, um, you know, whoever, I, I don't know probably names, but whoever's on TV, right? I'm getting fed, right? I'm gaining an understanding of the word, but you're not growing in the way that God intended you to grow and God's potential in you and through you is not being maximized as long as you're disconnected from the family because we are real family and God only does transformational things as together, as a community, we are united, we are together, we are growing together. So um, do I want people to come to church and for this building to be full and overflowing and to see you every single Sunday, no matter what? Um, yes, I do, right? Um, I'm not gonna lie about it. I don't care if the Falcons games are at like 11 o'clock, right? I expect you to be like, no more football. I just gave up football today, right? It does not matter. Like, that's what I, that's what I want. Um, but, but here, listen to this. Uh, forget what I want, right? To pay no attention to what I want. I'm not your God. I'm not over you. I can't punish you. There's nothing I can do, right? But be like, I'm not talking to you anymore, right? There's nothing I can do ultimately, 
Um, but here's what what's happening, right? We're handicapping God's power through us when we disconnect ourselves from the family. So does God want you here? You bet he does, right? Because together we as a family are really being changed. Together as a family, we are really being transformed. And you may be able to get something from the TV, but you'll never be able to get what God has for you and what God wants to do through you. It's just not happening. You see, at the heart of the gospel is this message of adoption that God has called us to be a part of his family. Yeah, he's our real father, and we got to accept him as that and say, God, I'm trusting you in difficult times. I know that the stories of this world and its brokenness is not my story now in you. That was my story, right? That was my end. That was the destination for me. Brokenness, hopelessness, and death, right? That was my story, but it's not anymore, right? My story's been um, taken over, right? It's now held hostage by you. Paul uses the language, he says, I'm a slave to God, right? My life is now so uh, inseparably connected to the life of God that you're my father and I trust and believe that all ends well, right? Uh, So you are my real father. This is my real family and we're journeying together. And together we're going to be changed and see you do something glorious through your church. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning that you give us this opportunity to stand here in your presence, to know you as our Father, to submit to you as our Father, to trust you with the things we need, to say yes to you not out of fear or not because we believe that you're going to somehow turn your wrath against us but to say yes to you because you're our father and you are good God I thank you for that God I pray even now for all the men in this room who are fathers that they will be emboldened by your spirit that they'll be strengthened by your power to stand up and be men of God that point their children to you whose lives communicate this one thing that my life, my right now what I am to you isn't the end all be all But there's one that's so much better than I am. And he's opened the door of his family to you. He's chosen to adopt you and to make you his own. God, we thank you that we can trust you with that. We love you, God. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.